This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossat, managing editor of Fightful.com here. For the August 20th edition of the Fightful.com podcast, we have WWE SummerSlam to talk about. If you all missed it, we did an NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3 post show last night, and we got Mayweather McGregor coming up next Saturday. I'll tell you more about those shows later. Before I mean, before we get into the actual show, I'll introduce my co-host, Anna Bauert, host of Most Ridiculous. Anna. Hello. Yeah. You had to get up at what time? I get up at uh, 6 a.m. for a 7 a.m. start time uh, for us on the East Coast in Australia. West Coast had it 5 a.m. So uh, that was a long six hours. Um, great finish, but a long, long six hours. Also, I am joined by Fightful.com associate editor Alex Halowski. Alex, how are you? Well, midway through the pay-per-view, I tendered my resignation uh, because it, the pay-per-view had beaten all the love of wrestling out of me. And You committed uh, heavy suicide. I, I did. Uh, <laughs> however, after the main event, I might stick around. So if you wouldn't mind not turning in that resignation letter to Jimmy Van, I'd appreciate it. We'll get right into it. WWE SummerSlam, it was a long-ass show. Here are some of my notes from the pre-show. By the way, guys, these drop every morning after NXT pay-per-views, WWE pay-per-views, Raw, and SmackDown. I do uh, match ratings, analysis, things of that nature. Also, on some of these shows, you'll get Joe Holbert's report cards that will also drop. Thank you to those of you who uh, participated in the live discussion. Also, our forum contest for the list in your boy for that Ric Flair defining moments action figure. We'll be doing a lot more contests uh, in the future, probably the immediate future. My first note was shout out to Baron Corbin. Even though his promo sucked, he stopped Charlie Caruso's question before he could even re-ask it. <laughs> so that, that was nice. They unleashed the name, the demon about 742 times on this pre-show. That was boring. Uh, we had Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose in the social media lounge. They say that they don't have a team name yet. But the one thing I want to really approach with you two, Jerry Lawler giving Rosenberg some heat for that Bobby the Brain Heenan jacket. Alex, what did you think? Well, Rosenberg deserves it. Like, Rosenberg's uh, insufferable. You know what I mean? Like, he's the guy who's like, oh, look how cool I am, dudes. I- I'm on the pre-show. I made myself a jacket. I didn't tell anybody about it. And, like... I don't know. He's just he, – I, I don't care for him much. Um, I thought Jerry went – something in the 
significant as that, Alex, it's like, act like you've fucking been there before. Yeah, I know. It, it's kind of like, of yeah, it did, it did feel like um, the, it felt like something Enzo would do. <laughs> you know what I mean? And if that's, if that's your role model, maybe don't do that. But here's the thing. That's Enzo's gimmick. I know. So yeah, yeah like it's, it's suitable if he were to do it. Uh, apologies for dropping the F-bomb so early in the podcast, guys. Anna, did you feel any certain type of way? I mean, Lawler does this type of stuff a lot, though. Like, he's, he's like, kind of standoffish and confrontational. Meanwhile, I'm sitting there thinking, like, how old is Jerry Lawler? Jerry Lawler's, like, 67 right now. Bobby the Brain Heenan in, like, 2001 when WCW got bought out was, like, 57, and he was too old. So I'm sitting there saying, like, what are they doing with Lawler here? It's, it doesn't really matter about age if you can deliver. It feels like with Lawler, they bring him onto this stuff as good measure and he doesn't really contribute much except for annoying people and trolling people. Um, but he did have a point, I think, with Rosenberg tonight. He just seemed particularly douchey. There was something he said to Enzo that was just such a slap in the face. And I know Enzo has been oh, – not Enzo, um, Ellsworth. Oh, that was Freudian. Um I know Ellsworth is, you know, the guy to pick on, but the way he said it, the manner he said it, and his role as well on the panel just seemed so out of line that it wasn't like, you know, rib kind of funny anymore. It was just like, dude, what's your problem? Yeah. The whole whole feel of the pre-show was off. It feels like Rosenberg's like, I'm cool now because I host Bring to the Table with Graves and JBL. So I'm, I'm cool. I'm one of the cool kids. And it's like they only let him hang out with him because he's got the house that his parents are always away and they party there. <laughs> like he's not actually one of the cool kids, but he thinks he is. And that's that's the whole vibe I get from Rosenberg. And it's he's their of- ESPN connection right now. And I yeah. feel like he lost a lot of goodwill with audiences when he tried to justify the JBL actions. Mm-hmm. Like he it didn't it didn't play very well for a lot of people. What did play well for Brooklyn was Elias, formerly known as Samson. Because this is... uh, Who would have ever thought? He does a concert, and the crowd legit asks for an encore. Then after the (laughs) encore, they ask for one more song. Anna, I'm expecting Elias to get a Fandango-esque reaction tomorrow. What do you think? Look, I've always wanted to walk with the Drifter. I think he's fantastic. And I did not expect, though, the crowd to be on his side and ask for an encore. I was just sitting there thinking, wow, John Mayer's gotten really good. And that line, I know I sh- like it's, it is what it is, but that line about asking where Brooklyn's balls were or something, it's just so unexpected and, like, okay. It, it broke up. This is during the pre-show, right? It yeah. broke up the monotony of it, and it was just like, wow, that's actually a breath of fresh air. Asking someone where your balls are was a fre- breath of fresh air, which says a lot about the pre-show. Alex, what, what do you think about Elias? I mean, this is the best-case scenario for WWE to have a guy like this. And, and I'll say this, since he's been called up to the main roster, his in-ring work has reflected that call-up. He has worked to improve. He has improved. And I can appreciate that because on, and I saw it a lot tonight. There were a lot of variant offensive maneuvers done this evening, way more than usual. I think that that did have something to do with last night. Although I, 
I've not been able to confirm that yet. But, but before we get into that, what do you think about Elias, Alex? Uh, I like him. I like him a lot. I think it's uh, it's usually interesting because the guy who gets heat like this in the mid card usually doesn't back it up in the ring, and he does. Like he does now. So it's going to be interesting to see where they go with him. Is he just a guy who comes out on the pay per view and sings a song about how much this local town X sucks, um, and that's it, or will he have programs that put him in matches on on the pre-show or the pay-per-view um because he deserves it you know i want to i like what he's doing uh, as far as his you know his shtick but he can also go in the ring and he should have a a chance to be allowed that as well i'm all for the the heelish songs because eventually they will turn into babyface songs about whoever he's (laughs) facing and i'm cool with that there have been guys over time who have made a Pretty damn good career off of that, so I think that it's good. I think that he's talented enough to pull it off based on what I've seen of his main roster run, and you just never know. I mean, a lot of people, including myself, were baffled when Braun Strowman got called up without an NXT run, so you just that, – that's what I really like about this is you just never know. A lot of people thought Alexa Bliss happened too soon. A lot of people thought Carmella happened too soon, and both of them on the main roster – had better careers than they were ever going to have in NXT. So I'm, I'm far more open than I was a couple of years ago about some of these call-ups. There are a bunch of wrestlers who were not used on the show, and a couple that were, in a KFC ad that breaks down into a brawl. Shawn Michaels comes out of Colonel Sanders to a really huge pop, honestly, which asks, which just begs the question. Alex, can we get Colonel Sanders versus AJ Styles? Yes. That, that's I mean, what I want. If that's how we got to take this, that's what I want. That's how we get AJ versus Shawn Michaels. If Shawn Michaels has to play Colonel Sanders while we do it because KFC sponsored it, that's fine. The commercial, I didn't mind. It was a bunch of, you know, it's weird to say this about people like Becky Lynch, but it's a bunch of lower card people who don't get stuff on TV getting a chance to shine and be funny. So that's, that's good. Right. Um, but then Shawn Michaels comes out and I'm like, Oh honey, no, no. What, what, why Shawn Michaels, like Shawn Michaels legitimately like the greatest wrestler alive. Like, like that. Uh, what? He doesn't even get his chance to speak. He just dances as 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 Colonel Sanders. It worked. The crowd loved it. I understand, but like, how? It's all that matters. Like, what what is that like? Harm some future program he's gonna do? No. No. It just it just to me it kind of tarnishes his legacy. Oh shit! Give me a break. I know. I know. That's that's, great. That's how I overact to everything. The guy that stepped a bunch of gauze next to his wiener on TV, it hurts his legacy? Yep. yep. You oh, heard me, Sean. On. I just have to ask, as a society, how did we let this happen? That, that's my only question pertaining to this. I... He blocked me on Twitter. I don't know. <laughs> Backstage, Braun Strowman interrupts Paul Heyman to say he talks too much. This fit very well. This oh, was beautiful. good. Best great. promo of the pre-show. All they oh, needed. All they needed. Yep. 
Guys, make sure you thumbs us up, like, subscribe. Uh, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, all that stuff. Tweet out the link if you guys do not mind. Let people know that you're that you're watching us, enjoying us, listening to us, anything like that. Your support really helps. Ms. Taraj defeated Jason Jordan and the Hardy Boys. Crickets for Jason Jordan, probably because four people were in the arena. Now, if there were if there were four thousand, it might not have made a difference, but like nobody was there. Alex, this is something that I experienced firsthand at the Royal Rumble. The advertised start time on the ticket was well after, and the doors opened well after the first match started. So there were some people who had somehow gotten in, but not nearly the amount of people that should have been there. I don't care whose fault this is, whether it's WWE, whether it's Barclays. It's somebody's fault, Alex, and it shouldn't happen. Yeah, there's there. this was a last-minute addition to the card. Uh, and it was to ostensibly get your IC champion, um, the guy you're trying to get over, Jason Jordan, and legitimately one of the most over acts you have on the card, the Hardy Boys, um, on the card. And um, if you're going to do it that way, and you really want to make sure they get on the card so everybody can see them, you should probably do it when people can see them. Um, now, from what I understand, this was because of a security risk that Barclays security thought was. So they were only allowing 30 people in at a time. Um, and of course, WWE isn't able to push stuff back an hour. You know what I mean? So this was just the way it was and it sucked. But a lot of it was because they decided to have the first match on a two hour pre-show at like 4.15. Like it was ridiculously early. They could have pushed all of the pre-show matches back That's to back central, to back. Central time, mind you guys. Whatever. Sorry, 5.15. Um, in my in my house, it was four fifteen. Um, so yeah. So anyway, um, they could have pushed all of the pre-show matches later in uh, the pre-show if they really wanted to do it that way. But it was it was kind of there were no shots of the arena. It was all done in close up, so it was really weird to watch the match. It was bad. <laughs> Jordan and Matt coordinated their ring gear, but Jeff was like, "Nah, nah, I'm not doing that. Not doing that." Uh, the, the arena was so empty that they didn't even use the hard cam for this oh. match. It was cuts and close-ups, like basically the worst thing that lives inside my nightmares when I sleep <laughs> at night was this. Uh, my only real notes about this match is that Jason Jordan is so effortlessly strong that it's terrifying. Like He picks up Curtis Axel like a little easier than most humans, even his size, should be able to. I love the quarter Nelson suplex he does. Uh, Miz got a pinfall after a very standard match. Jordan ate a pin, his first in the angle era. Not a great match by any standards. Anna, we'll go back to the attendance for a little bit. The Hardy Boys wrestled in front of more people in their last Ring of Honor match than they did at SummerSlam. That's yeah. kind of weird, right? When Jason Jordan came out, he was smiling at something, and initially I thought that he was smiling at the delete chants, which I could hear, and then I saw the crowd and realized, oh, he's smiling to himself in irony that this is he's, he's tagging with the Hardy Boys at SummerSlam to an empty stadium. It, I posted on Twitter, I, they just they need to fix this. This has happened way too often the the last big four pay-per-views it's happened way too often 
there are so many NXT wrestlers that are really good that don't get on, on the takeover card. Why not put them on the pre-show in the early start time anyway? So people that are actually there still have in-house entertainment and these guys, you know, they get something as opposed to these kind of matches. And it just makes me think like, it's really a shame. It's unfortunate what happened to Scott Dawson, but like, what could have been? And this is what they got instead. It's just really shitty. But I will say the final shot that they picked up by mistake of The Miz going up to the one person in the front row, which apparently was even the publicity person. It wasn't even someone in the crowd. That did kind of make it okay, but in a really not okay way. Yeah, and even the finish was like, oh, so you did this to get the Miz over. Like, yeah. like <laughs> okay, all right. Um, yeah, what, he's what? the IC title holder. And yeah, that's they, it. <laughs> they, they they had the IC title on uh, the pre-show of WrestleMania too. And you can't tell me that these are the same as being on the main card when you don't include them on the DVD of the pay-per-view. Like that was a, that was a sticking point for Austin Aries when he yeah. left. He and, was and yeah. good cause. Yeah, yeah. That's so, exactly. I don't think anybody's go. buying those DVDs though. Not anymore. No. Their home video is way down. Yeah. No, but um, even if you scroll through surprised. the network, it's right. the main it's the main shows that come up. It's never mm-hmm. the pre show. You have to actively seek them out. If you go That's back so a few years and watch a pay per view, you go yeah. back and watch pay per view. Um, you uh, and click on a pay per view. Um, and you don't, you won't see the pay-per-view uh, pre-show. You have to find that separately. Like they could at least put them back to back, or at least the matches from the pre-show right before the main card starts when you actually click on it in the network. But it's. Eh. I wonder where Jason Jordan goes from here. A feud with the Miz. I mean, yes, there wasn't a whole lot of controversy in that pinfall. So like Jason Jordan, this babyface is going to be like, listen, I know you beat me, but I deserve a shot. Well, no, you don't. Not really. I guess they might do it th- th- via the fact that the Miz is still complaining about not getting, um, not being put in the cor- in a correct position for the IC title. Which, like, objectively, he has a point. But because he's the heel, we're gonna be like, "Hey, I'm gonna punish you by putting you in a match with my kid." Maybe well, they're just trying to get entitlement over as a babyface thing now. Who knows? Kurt Angle backstage did seem flustered about his son's performance and had a cute little segment with Daniel Bryan. Cruiserweight Championship, Neville defeated Akira Tozawa to become the WWE Cruiserweight Champion. Tozawa was very over with the sparse crowd that existed. In my notes, I said that Vic Joseph sounds like Todd Grisham. Tozawa's reaction time is really outstanding. Neville has cool gear. Titus is perfect in his role. But I don't know if Neville busting out a chin lock in front of like a half empty crowd is the way to get 205 live over. Alex, I know you're you're you often watch 205 live. This this doesn't strike me as the kind of style like if you're trying to separate yourself, you would you would work. Nope. Nope. They're um they're bringing out some more stuff on 205 live that would get it over if you could give them the chance to really work uh, that style. In a, in a place where there were any eyeballs on it. Like, Grand Metalik is working now, and he's doing ring rope stuff and timing. He did a they did this crazy acai moonsault spot, him and Tony Nese, that was just off the charts a couple of weeks ago. I don't... I don't get it. I mean, Sam, like, just shutter the whole thing. Just get rid of the division if you're not going to 
Who cares? I mean, Tozawa's over, and Neville is legitimately one of the best heel champs they've had in forever. But if you're not going to treat them as though they're actually part of the roster, then it's a separate, completely separate division. They have them their own, you know, thing once a month where they, you know, you do it on tape delay or something. I don't know. It's just, it was kind of frustrating to watch Neville and Tozawa do great work in front of nobody again. The decent match that ends with Neville breaking out the red arrow on Tozawa. Titus looks really disappointed. I'll wait and see where this goes before I question the title change. But if it doesn't go anywhere, having Neville lose that match was really, really just unnecessary. Anna, what did you think of the match? And are you a little more quick to judge the Neville situation than I? No, not at all. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing where they take this. Um, it once again goes back to putting on the Cruiserweight Championship in front of an empty crowd. They busted their asses at WrestleMania, and there was a bigger crowd than this. But once again, then on the pre-show. And it's the thing of like, okay, well, why it's probably not the best idea to do a chin lock during these kind of matches. But at the same time, why should they go out there and kill themselves for no crowd? It's like damned if you do, damned if you don't. It was just it, kind of heartbreaking to see Neville come and do this angle and no one was even there watching. Um, it was a great match. I'm just really disappointed for them. The last time they did a Cruiserweight match that wasn't on the pre-show was Fastlane back in March. Uh, and Neville and Jack Gallagher like turned in the, one of the matches of the night. And... Uh, it was in the middle of the card, and the and the crowd was they they were totally over with the crowd. Then they banished them to the pre-show for Mania, and they've been on the pre-show ever since. And it I don't I don't understand. Like you 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 could get the, you could get these guys over if in the middle of every Raw pay-per-view you knew somewhere in the middle you were going to see this great fast-paced sprint between two cruiserweights, and you would look forward to it. But they're not getting they're not doing them many favors by not putting them in front of any eyeballs. Sidebar, guys, please stop tweeting me telling me Jerry Lee Lewis died. He did not die. Different Jerry Lewis. <laughs> I know you all want me to make some jokes. I'm doing it. Different guy. Different guy. Who boy. SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Usos defeated New Day to win the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. The last two matches these guys have had have just been unbelievable. Anna... Hit me with your thoughts. The Usos really did make it look like the Uso Penitentiary. That match was, they owned it, and it was a a good freaking fight the whole way through. But at the same time, they made everyone look so strong. Uh, It was unreal. And I'm glad that there were more people in the crowd to see this one. Um, There was that nasty-looking throw of woods outside onto I'm not sure which of the Usos that was. It's just so many like almost pins and uh, it was chaos and it was perfect for what it was. I think the two tag matches tonight were fantastic. Um which is also they're the two divisions that I have no idea what they're gonna do next. So that I think there's gonna be something going on if there's a potential soup shake number two. Um but yeah I'm it's it's kind of they're the both divisions are in a weird place because I feel like they have so much talent and 
there's so much going on, yet at the same time it's so disorganized and injuries are happening and that people don't actually, it just feels like they don't really know what's going on. I, I tweeted, I don't mind rematches and 50-50 booking as much if we get matches like this. Yeah. And because, I mean, the Hardy Boys and Edge and Christian and the Dudleys were, it was 33-33-33 booking. And I was cool with that because all the teams were fun. They had good matches. The, I thought the very first, like the first half was very paint by numbers, but like watching them, I knew that wasn't going to last very long. I knew they were just waiting for that moment when they kicked it into high gear. And that happened about the time that Big E made a hot tag. Then he gets electric chaired onto a member of the Usos. Alex, I know you thought that should have been the finish, but it went a little bit longer. There was a Uranagi lung blower combo that I thought was really cool. New Day, it's like they looked at that tag match last night and they were they thought, okay, we will step up. Not a lot of people are going to step up. We're going to step up. Usos did as well. Xavier used the Koji clutch. Uh, they, they hit their finish, but it was with a little bit of twist because Xavier rope walked, then did it. And Ali Uso goes horribly awry as they throw Xavier over the top rope and he just lands flat on one of the Usos, and it was horrible looking. And then one of them murders Kofi Kingston with the stairs. Like, it was nasty. It was gross. Big E gets put through the ringer and pinned. We got new champions. Alex, this was a, an incredible match, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, uh, the first 35% of it, a little more than the third, was the most paint-burnt-by-numbers crap tag match on the main roster. It was just Xavier Woods just being face in peril. He was in there for him forever without ever tagging out to, to Big E. And I was like, well, this is the opposite of the battleground match. And the point where JBL is like, if you like tag matches, you gotta love this. And I'm like, I, I do love tag matches and I don't love this. And then they completely switched it. Like it was completely different. It was, it went from bad to great, to better than their battleground match. And that match at the time was the best mind master tag match I think I'd ever seen. So this surpassed it. Like the, the pinfalls, uh, the near falls were just off the charts. The reason I said that should have been a finish, that move, is because I didn't think it should have ha- happened there. I was assuming the New Day was going to retain. And I thought if the New Day retains – that's got to be the move you use to end the match because mm-hmm. that was insane. Like like Xavier Woods deadlift squatting Big E and then electric chair dropping him as a splash. That was insane. Like that should be their new finisher whenever they win matches. Um, but the rest of it was was so much better than you know the, what we were doing in the beginning to the point where the Usos gave a super kick party to Big E and Big E sold that shit so sure well. Did. God, Biggie looked like a superhero doing all this stuff by himself because all of his buddies were basically unconscious on the outside. And then he just took 17 super kicks. And that's that's about it. <laughs> that's how you lose that those titles. And listen, I'm fine with hot potatoing between these two teams because these two teams are the best pure tag teams the WWE has in the main roster. Um, I, I love Sheamus and Cesaro and Ambrose and Rollins. To me, it still feels like those guys are single stars put together and doing really well at tagging. But they're not these two teams. These two teams are, are just off the charts. I love this match. To me, by far, 
the the match of the night. The main event was a spectacle. This was a match, and this was amazing. This is what I want out of that tag team division. Yeah. That's what I want. Oh, boy. I don't even know if Baron Corbin's in the doghouse. Have you all ever seen This is the End? Mm-hmm. No. That's great. Do you remember Channing Tatum's role, Anna? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right yeah. now, that's Baron Corbin. And I encourage you all to find Channing <laughs> Tatum's role in that movie. That is Baron Corbin right now. He's so far underneath. Like, this was going to be the tale. This was going to tell us if this was to kick off, like, some sort of edgier character or if they were just done. Looks like they're done as of right now with him. And really, I saw it from from the jump of this match. As soon as John Cena rolls out of the ring and throws JBL's hat on, mm-hmm. you know, this is one of those. Because that's a subtle message from John Cena. That's John Cena saying, nobody at home take this match seriously because I sure as hell aren't, aren't going to take it seriously. Mm-hmm. That's his way of doing that. Because otherwise, John Cena is pretty damn serious. I guess the one thing you can say about Corbin is his new gear looks a lot better than his old Strowman pants that he borrowed, I guess. But uh, there was not, like, a lot of pressure on this match. Like, you almost kind of forget it was there. But Corbin went for the run around the ring post three times, which Cena eventually countered. Uh, Corbin also countered the five-knuckle shuffle, hit a nice chokeslam backbreaker. Cena whipped out a tornado DDT, and then Cena just... Pins Corbin. That's that. Alex, you're you're not usually with us on Tuesdays. Run us through you you weren't too happy about that Corbin money in the bank situation. And I, I'm curious to see your or hear your feelings in regards to this. I don't understand. Like I don't, any of it. Like, why did you give him the money in the bank briefcase if you were gonna if there was even a chance? that if he tweeted something wrong at somebody that you were going to strip him of it in the most disgustingly stupid way I've ever seen. And then like, okay, well maybe you're going to start to tell a story about how now he's going to get serious and he's going to like be really vicious and a whole new, you know, side of Baron Corbin is going to come out. Nope. No, he lost to one AA. Who the hell loses to one AA? Like, like, seriously, that's the ultimate burial. Everyone kicks out of the first AA. Everyone. Like, like I mean, listen, the, we'll talk about this later with a lot of these people, but, like, I feel like he's he's 32. He You, you molded him from nothing in the performance center. This is a guy who showed up and had never been in, the, in a wrestling ring before. And two years, whatever it was later... He's winning the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Like you, you created this monster yourself. And now he's here, and you obviously thought enough of him to do all these things. And whatever happened, now you say, get out. We have no use for you. And I don't understand how that's a smart way to run a business. Like, let alone like a wrestling promotion. Like you've you've invested so much into this guy. Well, no, screw this guy. Well, I mean, I, I can see, I can see both sides. The guy that tweeted him the veteran that he got heat for mm-hmm. for trashing he was a dick to baron corbin now that being said this is something that i learned a lot more since i've started working here jimmy van would always like tell me don't don't really even feed into the trolls 
just mute them, be on your way. That's what, I, that's what I've started to do. Very rare exceptions will I go after somebody. And it's got to be, there's got to be a real reason for it anymore. It's not something that I indulge in. Baron Corbin gets those types of interactions magnified about probably 500 times what I do. Mm-hmm. And he indulges much more than I ever did. It was bound to happen like that. Something like, like he, that was bound to happen. And, I mean, he got the nickname Big Banter on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Like, he was affectionately known for that. Anna, you have encountered your fair share of trolling in your days. In that type of situation, do you think it's okay to kind of snipe, like go back at somebody or should you just the hell with it? Um, it really depends on what is said. And, like, I just try and call them out. Um, but there is a difference. You see, guys, like, I, I saw that veteran tweet, and it, to me it looks like Corbin saw KO, what KO was doing with his Twitter feed and the reactions that he got, and he thought he'd give it a go. I don't always agree with some of the burns that KO hands out. Um, I kind of think don't go, like, I guess with KO it's different. They are attacking his, his physical a lot. Um, but just don't get that petty. With Corbin, I think with all the social media stuff, there, there needs to be more defined rules because if this is what happened and if he really is getting screwed now because of that tweet or something like that, then they really need to have clearer rules set out for these guys so this stuff doesn't happen again. It was clear from the get-go. The last thing that happened before the match started was they showed what is highlighted as the most embarrassing moment of this man's career just before the bell goes. The bell goes, Cena jumps out, puts that JBL's hat on, and then he hears a crowd chanting, you suck and, you know, we like you. And then he calls out to Corbin, you see me? They're all chanting my name. No one cares about you. Mm-hmm. I was, I didn't mind what happened with the briefcase because I thought that this could be, this could be something cool. This could be the demise and this could be where he loses it and deep sixes people to death. But it, now he's just, I don't know, I, I feel like on SmackDown we're going to see someone else just kill him and take his finishes because his finishes are awesome and then that's it. Um, he's a laughing stock now. He's a joke. Like they're, they're chanting at him, where's your briefcase? Um, you you fucked fire. up, dumpster fire, all of these things. Like he's, he's, they've made him into a joke and there's no way he can recover from this. Like if they, if they, if they could, there are ways. but Jinder Mahal's but, WWE champion right now. Right, right, right. Yeah, but you need but the company behind you for that. You need the company behind you for that. So, I mean. Jinder Mahal was way further down than Baron Corbin. Sure, but uh, he's got 1.3 billion people who apparently depend on him or whatever. So that that's that's the way that that's the way they're going to figure out how to. I mean, I don't know if Corbin has that many. Oh, sir, there are far more Twitter assholes than there are people in India. Baron Corbin has that on lock. But it's like we've heard people say WWE wants you to act like a heel. Then when you act like a heel on Twitter, they they give you they give you shit about it. So. Exactly. Don't know if I agree with that. I 
I think he'll be event he'll, he'll be fine eventually. SmackDown Women's Championship Natalia defeated Naomi to win the SmackDown Women's Championship. I can't wait to not hear glow anymore in promos, in vignettes, in anything. And I really thought they were going to keep this title on Naomi until they got those toy title belts out. I really thought they were very happy they're not. Naomi has just not progressed on the the promo side. And I'm not saying that Natalia is any better, but Naomi just isn't there. Couple of notes from the match. I do not understand why Natalia's opponents sit around and wait to be stepped on as she runs off the ropes. What I also didn't understand is Naomi doing a blockbuster off the apron and then hopping up and like smiling like, woo! Fortunately, when she was catapulted in the ring post, she sold a lot better. Natalia's snap suplexes were really awesome. Like she had some good velocity on there. She was getting airborne with them. Carmella is shown watching from above. She's got some neat new gear. It was very obvious to me, and it's speculation, but it seems obvious to me that they were given more room to do different things on this show. Like Naomi hit a head scissors DDT, had a really good hook kick reversal. Still don't like the moves that require somebody to hold on to the top rope, but that was really my biggest complaint of this match. Otherwise, I thought this was a, a, an exceptional match. I really enjoyed it. One of the better matches on the show, in my opinion. Sharpshooter gets applied right in the middle, and it's real hard to boo a sharpshooter clean in the middle. Naomi had a nice reversal where she slammed Natalia into the uh, turnbuckle, but then Natalia got it clean right in the middle. Anna, what did you think about this and the idea of putting the title on Natalia? That in-ring has never been in question. They are incredibly strong, and I love watching them in-ring. I think it said it all when the promo that they played before the match was that was the strongest footage that they could find for this feud. And I can't remember what exactly was said. Glow was mentioned at some point. Uh, it was, yeah, it was to do with Naomi bejeweling the title and, and Natty was really insulted by that. And it's just like, this is, I will take Naomi as a champion because she feels like she is comfortable in her skin. Like her promos aren't great and glow needs to never be said again outside the TV show. It did, And it got to the point where I was questioning, like, imagine if HBK, HBK had the catchphrase, I'm a, I'm a sexy boy before delivering a move on someone. This is kind of what it, it just, it, there are only a few catchphrases that work um, in that regard anyway. But Natty to me still feels like she tries too hard. Every time I see her do a promo, every time she enters or walks around the ring, it's this bravado, but it's not comfortable. And I don't know what she can do. I don't know. I mean, acting classes will probably help, but she just, it isn't working for me. And I really want to be behind her as a champion because I think she is fantastic in ring. But I'm just, I don't know. I'm at this point hoping that Carmella cashes in that briefcase soon because I'm just, I don't know how Natty's going to pull it off. I know she's a heart. I know that. Alex, your thoughts? So I hate this. <laughs> I hate them putting the title on Natty. Natty's nothing. Like she's great in ring. But I don't care. 
I don't care about anything she does on the show. Uh, I haven't ever. Um, and that sucks. I mean, I, I, I wish I did, but I don't. Um, I think I think Naomi had staying power as a true baby face. Um, she got was excited. All the kids love her. She's exciting. The the damn she had a light up fur coat, people. A light up fur coat when she came out of the ring. Like she's hugely over. And yes, she's bad at promos. But if you watch her do her stuff on on Talking Smack, she's a naturally nice person who do speaks regular like normal people but then they give her a script to follow and she's stilted because she's not an actress and that's fine you know what i mean like they but you should be able to figure out a way of while she's on the road teaching her how to act better and maybe just maybe let her say things naturally and not have to say feel the glow a thousand times i thought the match was fine that match was very very good I hate them putting the title on, on Natalia. It feels to me like it's a transition to a transition. Like Becky's going to beat Natalia for it, and then Carmella's going to cash in on Becky. That's what it feels like to me is where they're building to this because whatever. The one thing from the match that I will point out that I thought was really, really funny is um, I don't know what they call uh, Naomi's submission. I love it. I think it's really cool. When cool. Natalia got out of it, and then she was standing there with Naomi – on her stomach, and she was in prime position to put her in the sharpshooter. She had to roll Naomi back over onto her back, then wrap the legs, then roll her back over onto her stomach. And I was like, you, we, you got to figure out a way to transition into the sharpshooter while your opponent's already on their stomach. Otherwise, it looked kind of funny. But I just, I, I'm not, I'm not looking forward to the Natalia era of SmackDown Live. If I were them, I would have a family celebration. And then have Naomi or Natalia disown all of them. That way, she has <laughs> nothing to do with them anymore. Just have him heal. Have her heal. Brett, Jim, any other heart they can scrape up, and probably make that title belt pink or something. They can sell some toys <laughs> there. No, what's wrong with that, Anna? It doesn't have to be fucking pink. Anna, That's it's her fucking color. She wears, black. she wears pink and black. She wears pink and black. It's not a female thing. No, pink. I know. I know. I know. I know. I get it. I get it because she's a hot. She's a hot. Yeah. She's a hot. I know. She's a hot. Enzo Amore came out. He presumes that little Kim fans still exist. They don't. I can tell you that. They, they don't. <laughs> Big Cass comes out with his flirting with disaster theme from the NASCAR 98 soundtrack on PlayStation 1. He would later kick out of a KO punch. That almost never happens. That is one of the most protected moves really in WWE history. But they played up the fact that that Big Show had a broken hand. This match really sucks. But Enzo loops himself up and gets out of the cage. I tweeted that Ellsworth could have never slipped the hog out of that shark cage. There's no way. There's no way. Cass wins after he beats both of them up. This was turdy. It was so <laughs> bad. It was the worst. It was the worst. Like, why, why did this match exist? Tell me. Like what? What did that match accomplish? Nothing. Like you, you, you had a you had a stipulation where the guy had to stay in the cage, and he didn't stay in the cage. And then when he got out of the cage, he affected nothing. 
You know what I mean? Like it was okay. So he comes out wearing New York Knicks colors in the Brooklyn Nets arena because <laughs> you know that's Enzo. He does this long-winded promo that I don't even know what he's talking about. And then, but he lubes himself up and gets out. That's fine. But he's hanging there. And it was a prime position for, like, Cash to kick him off of the cage while he was hanging there. And Cash just waited him for drop down. And then he kicked him. And that was it. That was goodbye Enzo. So Enzo had no effect on it. And Big Show was just this wounded animal walking around with his paw like, oh, oh, I can't. And they tried punching him with it, and it didn't work. And, like, there's this ma- – if this match had never happened, you're the exact same place you were last week on Raw. Nothing's changed. Big Cass beat Big Show, and he also kicked Enzo, which is pretty sure – which I'm pretty sure is how every single one of these segments has gone since that whole program has started. He's a statistic. Big Cass is a, is a is a statistical anomaly. I don't know how he gets the numbers on these YouTube rankings that he does, but they're always solid at worst. But it doesn't and, make any sense in the crowd tonight. He got crickets. Right. Right. I, I'm with you. I tweeted that he is the color of vodka sauce. Like it's <laughs> this this weird kind of orangey pink and. Like, like, I don't understand. That's not natural. I don't even know how a tanning bed works that can do that. Like, whew. He's just, he doesn't. It's, that's not a tanning bed. That's a spray tan. It's bad. It, it's bad. Like, this is me posing with big casts. <laughs> this is, it, and it's so many of these wrestlers are like that. They are orange. Orange. That used to be against the rules in WWE. When they switched to <laughs> HD, they used to say, don't go get spray tans. They look terrible. Now, I understand that probably the risk of skin cancer maybe outweighs that now, but still, they look really bad. They look really bad. This match sucked, y'all. It's really bad. It's really, really, at really top, bad. At the top of the match, they announced that they brought up that in 99, which was the last time that Big Show had a cage match, he was versing Mankind with Triple H in the shark cage. How did we get here? Like, I don't even know what happened during that match. I was so distracted. There was like this parrot on some kind of drug up in a cage and he was doing the dancing the whole time. He was trying to troll cast the entire time. I have no idea what happened during this entire match except for some little dude stripped off, butted himself up and somehow managed to slip through the bars and then got knocked out. Nothing happened as a result of that. I don't, I don't even know. Like, at least, you know, I do most ridiculous, but at least with my stuff, it has internal logic. This was beyond anything that I could even come up with. I, I don't know. Bad. It's bad. I have a lot of people saying maybe WWE pays for YouTube views. Maybe they skew them. They, they're not that far ahead of the game as it pertains to that. I promise you. So when you go, you come on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whenever it is we release the YouTube views, that's a pretty accurate reflection of who is tuning in to what, who's going out of their way to see what. So definitely check those guys out. Uh, some of those some of those are very surprising. Oh, that was bad. Okay. 
Here we go. Alex, <laughs> Rusev attacked Rome, uh, Randy Orton, gets RKO'd and beaten. Now, uh, I'm going to let you take it from here because I want your initial reaction. I'll just say this. This was the best Randy Orton match that could have happened. <laughs> <laughs> and given the way that we've seen Corbin and Rusev happening, and like I said, guys, I have not been able to talk to anybody yet, but I'm, I will by tomorrow. The way that I see Rusev and Corbin and the way they are treated, I would get ready to strap down and get ready for Orton and Rude. So they're not paying me yet, but drink up, my friends. You're going to need it. Alex, please explain your feelings. Listen, like it was one of those things where I wasn't even mad. I was just defeated. You know, like, pardon my language here while I talk for this one. At WrestleMania 31, like basically undefeated Rusev, if he wasn't actually undefeated, came out for a match against John Cena in a motherfucking tank. Like, this guy was it. He was this dude you could have built up as this major heel. And since then, like, I know he's had a few reigns as, as the as a U.S. champ, but he's always, whenever he's lost that belt, they've made him do it in the most humiliating way possible. So, so now he's just aimless. Like, he doesn't even have Lana. Like, Lana used to be there to tell him who to crush. He doesn't even have that anymore. Lana you know? has a new Rusev. Lana has a new Rusev, and it's Tamina. Like, she trained. Oh. Lana, here's, here's, the, here's how you know they buried Rusev. Lamina, uh, Lana traded in <laughs> Rusev for Tamina. That, this, is how, this is how crazy I am. Ooh. I turned Lana and Tamina into Lamina, and they might as well just give them that name as a, as a tag team. Listen, they... I don't understand what Rusev ever did to Vince McMahon. I don't. But this this was if there there's there's no way to be buried more than just be like RKO ding 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 RKO and you're dead. Like I what? What? This this is a guy who could be your top heel. He could. He really really could. And th- th- this this he gets in a, a no nothing a do go nowhere feud with Randy Orton. With Randy Orton, every feud with Randy Orton is a go nowhere feud. Jesus, I don't. I it was just, but but I didn't have this passion when I saw it happen. I just did this. If you watch me here, I did this. <laughs> that was it. My head dropped, and I and I sent a tweet to Sean Ross Sapp. I uh, hereby tender my recognition. Because that was it. It killed me. It killed all my passion and my love for wrestling was gone. Because because <laughs> what? For, for what? To what end? You know what I mean? You kill off this dude's career so you can get a, a pop for, for Randy Orton? Randy fucking Orton? Uh, I don't know, man. Just whatever. Just whatever. <laughs> you know... <laughs> I realize that I put you in what someone called the death slot here following that, but try your best. Um, This happened three hours into it, including pre-show, and all I could think was by this time last night, we just had NXT take over Brooklyn 3. How is this? I just don't understand the world right now. 
I don't, I don't get this. So what happened was Angry Rusev came out and I thought, this is awesome. Angry Rusev is my favorite Rusev. And even before the end of his entrance, my network crashed out. So by the time it came back, Randy Orton had won. I, that's it. That's it. He may have broken Hanson Rusev's nose as well. And that's it. Um, I just, I don't know. Was there another child that Rusev killed of Vince McMahon and then this is his ultimate revenge or something? Because none of this makes any sense. If he's still pissed off about the whole, you know, the engagement thing being announced over Snapchat or whatever it was, then why is Lana all good? I mean, I just don't understand this whatsoever. Rusev is awesome. Um, like Alex said, the tank. He had a tank. Now yeah. he he had a tank. Really, he had a tank. All the argument. He had a tank. At the point, at this point, he made sure got seized, run over by the tank. Like this is bad. I don't know. Maybe maybe him and Corbin can have a feud now, and something can come of it. I don't know. He fell behind on payments, and let me tell you, Dan Coven Cummins Tank Chevrolet does not play when it comes to their payments on their tanks. That got repossessed. No more. Alex. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off. My rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Somebody said that you need to make a two to three minute video every week about what triggered you. That actually sounds phenomenal. That <laughs> sounds really great. That might be fun. Yeah, bad. This this was a bad call. My well, it was a bad call and a good call. If Randy Orton's winning. This is probably the way to do it, in my opinion. Uh, otherwise, bad. Rusev is very this very is, good. This is the weird thing when you say if Randy Orton's winning. Earlier in the day, the the most recent betting lines that I could find had Rusev as a huge favorite in this match. And I was like, yes, this is going to be great. They're actually going to push Rusev. Nope. Nope. Either either those lines were completely wrong or they changed the plans like hardcore. I, I don't know how many guys have been, have gotten this at the expense of a guy with a finish. That's it. A guy with a finish and some history that not a lot of people were interested in to begin with, much less the guy himself was barely interested in. Yeah. In his own history. Those are the breaks. Guys, make sure to check out our flagship podcast, the Holy Smokes MMA Podcasts, cast uh, MMA show Tuesday, 3 p.m., and the list and your boy Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I'll be slowly releasing a lot of our old interview segments that we've done with, done there with Elias, Theodoru, Frank Trigg, 
Deanna Perrazzo, Vince Russo, J.J. Dillon, tons of names. Going to be dropping those every weekend. Finn Balor versus Bray Wyatt. Finn Balor, the demon wins. I got to say that Balor-Wyatt video package was really good. It helped set the stage for a match with a duty build. And Balor's entrance was as good as, as it always is. I just have to say this is the best match I've seen either one of these guys do in months. Coincidentally, it's together, and I can't remember the last time I've liked any of their work with anybody. But I will heap praise on these two guys for this match because I thought it was very good. I am all for using the running forearm instead of the running front drop kick. And somehow, when he did do one, apparently the demon gives him a little extra because it looked really good. There are little subtleties of the demon, like him pulling over the railing, standing straight up that he added. And a lot of people are saying, well, why doesn't he do this all the time? That paint takes so long to apply. It takes hours to apply. Otherwise, it it was good. It was solid. I liked it. Anna, I want to know how you felt, felt about the match and Finn Balor, the demon. I will never get tired of the demon's entrance. It's kick-ass, and I like he owns that character. That he's that's his baby, and you can tell that this is what he loves to do. Um, Bray's reaction when he sees the entrance was one of the best reactions to that I've ever seen. I really like this match. Um, I love that someone finally cracked the code of the backwards crab walk. That's you know that's good to see. Someone tweeted me during this. My thoughts on. You know, the, bringing up the mythology of Finn Balor's name and all that kind of stuff, and it kind of ties in with the announcement before the match that Finn was coming out as the demon. It really did a couple of things didn't do this any favors. One, sticking to that it was some acidic liquid that was poured on Finn Balor. And then also that Finn Balor had to go get permission from Kurt Angle to come out as the demon. I think this feud could continue and something magical could happen if they buy into this demon mythology that instead of, you know, he needs to go and paint himself up, that this dude actually can conjure up this demon and he can become possessed by it. And this is, he has that little extra thing and this is how he wins. And the fact that this is actually real for him, to Bray Wyatt, the guy who calls himself a god, who calls himself this cult leader, who's wanted this, who had a family and lost it all, all of a sudden this other dude actually does have some weird supernatural entity with him or powers, I guess. It drives him insane. And that could be a feud that could last for a very long time and it'd be something that I would wholeheartedly buy into if they stick with that story. I don't think they're going to do this. I think this is probably the end of this feud. But there is so much potential here, and this match just opened up so many doors, and I really freaking hope that they capitalize on this. Alex, who does Bray Wyatt show up and attack randomly next? I know. It's, it's, uh... After Anna just laid that all out. That's the thing. is that I agree with Anna completely. That's uh, what they could and should do. Um, he was legitimately shook by this guy who is not afraid of any of his shtick. Like, that's all his thing is, is he makes people fear him, and Finn Balor doesn't fear him at all. So that's a really cool angle for this dude. 
you could really play this up. The problem is, is I feel like they blew their wad with the demon thing. Like, you could easily, if this would have been done in a different way, where that you had a pay-per-view and then a, then a major one after that, where you could have Bray beat um, Finn Balor in a one-on-one match that wasn't just a random Raw, and, um, and Finn has to use the demon to beat Bray. Um, if, if it's fake blood, it's fake blood. Um, it's not an acidic, acidic viscous liquid. Like, if it's going to be not fake blood, don't have it be red. Like, we all know what it is. Like, it's ridiculous that you can't say what it is. Um, there's, I do not believe that Bray should have won this match. But because I'm along the lines of what you think, Sean, that he'll just move on to somebody else and act like this never happened... What they've done is they have Baron Corbin, Rusev, and Bray Wyatt, all three dudes, like 32 or younger, that they've basically effectively just, they don't know what to do with. They're these heels who are never going to rise to anything. Uh, It looks like, right now, what they're doing with them. And this is why when you say, I'm probably going to get Bobby Roode, I'm like, yeah. Because they know what they can do with Bobby Roode. He can come in and talk a lot and have those... 22 minute um, limb work main events. And that's what we're going to get because they don't know what to do with these guys because they're all different and unique. You know, here's, here's the thing that's surely ironic. Baron Corbin who hates the Indies would be great on the Indies. <laughs> He'd be yeah. really, really good on there because he could throw these smaller dudes around. He could like all these cool things. They really let him just go and just not care about just smashing people. Be a lot of fun. But here, he's, they don't know what to do with him. And I, I just it, it feels like the, anybody who's, who's unique in any kind of way, they're like, well, uh, you're a, a round peg in a square hole, and we, don't, we can't write for you. We don't know what to do. So we're going to let you crash and burn. Okay? Cool? All right. That's what it feels like. And it doesn't – I like this match. I think they could do a lot more with this, with this stuff, and I don't think they're going to. I think they did about as much as they can do with this, given the characters, given the commitment to the characters, given the performance of the characters. It's all I pretty much see is a is a match that your boy rated six out of ten in his ratings that drop tomorrow morning. Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins become the WWE Raw Tag Team Champions. Skip a match. He, yeah, you skip the um, Alexa and Sasha. Yeah, we'll get back to it. Okay. The crowd chants burn it down, so I guess that worked. I guess that's over. Hooray. That'll be fun. Jameis takes out Ambrose early with a brogue kick. I thought this was a really good way to set the table to have Rollins and Ambrose fight from underneath. But let's let's talk the real story of this match. (laughs) Cesaro runs into the crowd, grabs a beach ball, takes it out, and gives it the bust just rips it apart to a crazy ovation. I'm of the belief Beautiful that, you. Yes, I'm of the belief Anderson and Gallo should be like the three-minute warning of beach balls. Anytime they have any there, they run them out, they catch them, they bust them, and then they call whoever did it a nerd. Just how they should be handled. Anna, what kind of a person brings a beach ball to a wrestling event? A dick, to put it simply. 
dick. It's just, I get it. I get it if you want it there for like it's SummerSlam, it's you know all that kind of stuff. But during a match, don't do that. These guys during, are killing themselves out there. What the hell is up? Like, pay attention. During the Shield reunion that all of you marks have been begging for for months, you're going to bring out a damn beach ball because there's no such thing as respect anymore for what these people do. I don't know. I'm just sick of it. I'm so happy that Cesaro, in keeping with his character, said, nope, we're not doing that tonight. That was really good. Like that a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to wonder if that frog splash should be Seth Rollins finish. That poor guy has been through it all. Like he went through two or three in NXT. He had the flying knee in WWE. Then the curb stomp, which I don't know why you can't just use that with a different name. The pedigree, he had that front-falling DDT that didn't work, and now the ripcord knee. I can't imagine a whole lot of people feel super comfortable taking that, given his history with that. But there was a lot of good, fundamentally sound tag team wrestling mixed with some big spots, a great tease of the Shield powerbomb. Seth Rollins, Hurricane Ron and Cesaro into Sheamus. Super kick, super kick, ripcord knee, dirty deeds. Good finish, great reaction, solid match. I didn't think it was anywhere near as good as the tag title match earlier, but still solid stuff. And it was matches like this, Alex, that I thought pushed the quality of SummerSlam up to overall being an okay show. It's just six hours. It's a little tough. Six hours is really tough. And we were talking about this before. With six hours, it's really hard for a show to not be uneven. But there were some highlights of this show that were really, 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 really great. And some other stuff that was good. And some stuff that was shit. Just utter shit. Like whether the booking was or, you know, the, the match itself, shit. So, like, to me, like, it's, it's a 5 out of 10. Like, because the stuff that was so bad was so bad. The stuff that was so good pulled it up from, like, a 0 out of 10 to a 5. And that's not what you – but I will remember this show – I think in a year for the great things, not for the bad things, which is good. But I don't think, I don't want that to be a thing where they can feel they can get a pass and they can put on a big cast versus big show with Enzo in a shark cage match every SummerSlam because they can't. They shouldn't be allowed to do that. They should, they should be better than that. Anna, your thoughts on the Shield 0.66 becoming tag team champions? Just stuff what Alex said, it, the whole feel of the night, it just felt like a, a very long mix raw SmackDown live. It didn't feel like one of the big four pay-per-views. And that's, I think it's, it started off with the pre-show. Like NXT TakeOver pre-show was, they brought back all these people. They made it feel so special. They brought back specific people to talk about specific matches. And the rest of the show, it just it flew from there. This just felt like cool, a really, really long roar in SmackDown. Um, having said that, I really did like this match. I really appreciate that we did get this and the little bit of color coordination going on there between all three of the men, as it turned out. Um, I thought this match, I kind of expected that Rollins and Ambrose were going to take this away. I think. Tagging them together is going to do them both wonders, especially Ambrose. I thought he looked really good tonight. And 
if this is the end of Shizara for a while, if Seamus is going away to film that movie, I don't know if that's correct. Um, this was a wonderful showing to say goodbye for a while. I hope this isn't the end of them completely because they, lo and behold, actually turned out to work really well. So, Yeah, Seamus is going to film uh, The Buddy Games, which is like, a, I think, a Nick Swardson movie. He's been filming them on his days off. I don't know how Has much. He? How, yeah, yeah it started it started this month, didn't it? Yeah, he's been posting it to his Instagram and stuff like that, like the, the way that they've been uh, – changing his hair a little bit so it doesn't look like a mohawk. Um, but yeah. uh, I don't know if he's done with the scenes. He's not one of the leads. He's just in the movie, so I don't know if he's done with it. Um, the, the match the match was a lot of fun. I really liked the way it ended. Um, hooray for Seth and Dean having something to do that's not what they've been doing because it hasn't been working. Um, I think that these four guys work really, really well together. They're all, all four of them – well, <laughs> three of them are former world champions – the one that hasn't been should have been by now in Cesaro, but um, but they're all former champions because Cesaro was the former U.S. champion as singles, and as, as a tag team, they all show how great they can be as individual performers, but as teams. I like that a lot, and I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes, but if it's just more of these four guys working together, all for it. Normally, I'd say I don't see it with Cesaro being a world champion, but Jinder Mahal is a current world champion, so uh, yeah, I do. Anything is possible. (laughs) In one word, Anna, does Roman Reigns eventually team up with these two, or do we see a split before then? I think that will be a one-off happen. Alex? They're not bringing Roman back for this. Uh, I think they might do it for a one-off thing, like... um, for example, Sheamus and Cesaro um, uh, align with Braun Strowman, and so Roman Reigns wants to get involved in it. Like, it's a stupid thing like that. Like, it wouldn't be for, like, hey, the Shield's getting back together. It would be like, hey, well, guys we're feuding with are friends with the guy that you're feuding with. How about it? And they'll they'll pay it yeah. off that way, you know? Sasha Banks defeats Alexa Bliss to become Raw Women's Champion. Sasha Banks basically super glued one of Princess Katana's fans onto her neck (laughs) and walked to the ring. These two did not seem very concerned with taking care of one another in this match. (laughs) (laughs) I'll say that. Alexa takes an Alabama slam to the corner in a great spot. Uh, There was something that uh, I saw Rovert note on Twitter, and it's something that I mentioned a long time ago. Alexa is getting more nimble by the day with the bumping and feeding. I really hate those baby face comebacks where a heel has to bump, get up, turn around, run back, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. It's not realistic. It makes the heel look stupid. It's 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 bad aesthetically. Like give them some more time because Bailey's gonna have to sit there and wait on you. But Alexa has stepped up her game in that regard. Corey Graves brings up Bliss having like shorter limbs and how it affects submissions. I thought that was excellent commentary. What I didn't think was excellent, cupping the opponent's ribs and posting your hand on their shoulder. That telegraphs a kick out. We see it. There's no angle where we can't see it. Because if you have their ribs ribs cupped and you have their shoulder posted, we know you're going to kick out. Everybody knows you're going to kick out. Sasha gets the submission. She is now a four-time women's champion. She joins Charlotte, Lita, Trish, Moolah, Mickey James, Melina, Beth Phoenix, Michelle McCool, 
as women with at least four main roster title reigns. What do you think happens after this, Anna? And then what did you think of the match? Um, I still think ultimately it's going to lead up to Banks versus Bailey. Way, way down the line, though. Um, I'm not too sure what maybe she's going to avenge Jax the Destroyer. I don't know. Um, I really like this match, and I feel kind of bad for liking it as much as I did because there was some real heat going on between those two. Like, this was a nasty-looking match. They were clocking the shit out of each other for a while there. Um, But it meant something to them. Whatever the story is going on there, it meant a lot. And it, it came across as really intense and really good. Um, there are so many really cool little spots like Banks clotheslining Bliss with her own arm and the counter of Bliss um, putting the ring skirt out to make Sasha fall down. And I really liked the addition of Banks falling onto her shoulder and, you know, mirroring the whole Bailey thing. And then the look on Bliss's face after Banks won, she's by ringside and she's looking up like, what, what happened? Did I do it? And then just, like, the way that her makeup was done as well, it started to run. She had this crazed look in her face. It was beautiful. Um, and just on the Katana fan jacket from Sasha, I really feel like AOP could really pull that off at the next takeover, and I, I would really like to see that. So. I think that AOP could literally dress up as uh, – God, what were the Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Ooze guys? That Toka, Toka and Razor. Taka and Razor that everybody thinks they're named after. They could dress up as them and pull it off. They can yeah. pull up almost anything. Alex, uh, Sasha Banks as champion. Yeah, uh, cool. I mean, I, I like Sasha. Um, I like what she can do in the ring. She works really well with a lot of great people. She's obviously going to have matches against uh, Naya. This, she'll have... Um, She'll have a rematch with Alexa Bliss. It was odd. Earlier in the show, like hours before this match, they did their big promo, their video, their vignette promo for um, No Mercy, which is the next Raw pay-per-view, and it's all Alexa Bliss-based. And I was like, well, guess you just telegraphed the end of this match, and they didn't, which is odd. So, I'm, I mean, I'm guessing the storyline will be that um, Nia has um, – you know uh, that Alexa has Nia purposely injure Sasha Banks before her rematch at at no no mercy or something something along those lines because to have that whole promo built around the person without the belt it's got to be something along in those storylines but um I like the way these two work together because they hate each other <laughs> because they really really hate each other and that's going to be fun to see them work together but the thing is they hate each other and they work well together which doesn't usually work like you gotta, you gotta at least respect the person enough to not make them look like stupid in the ring. And they they work really well together. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing more of this. Um, a, a lot of those cool spots you're talking about are callbacks from before. Uh, in, a, in an earlier match, they had Alexa Bliss hit you know a Canadian destroyer, whatever you want to call it, on um, on Banks out of the corner, and this time Banks stopped it and turned it into that Alabama slam. So they they they're putting together this these matches that they're actually learning from what they've done in the past and encountering that kind of stuff, which I always appreciate. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to to this women's division um, in the next month or so a lot more than SmackDown. 
I'll tell you what I appreciate. You guys have made this the most watched live podcast that we have ever done so far. So thank you guys to that. Also, a recent episode of the Holy Smokes MMA podcast, the August 8th edition, the most downloaded audio podcast we've ever done, coming from an MMA podcast that is no small feat because MMA podcasting still in its infancy. So I want to go out of my way to thank you guys for that as well. I really, really appreciate that. And we've seen the numbers grow on Holy Smokes lately. So it means a lot. I just want to wanted to point that out and thank you guys. Also, thank you to all of you who joined us on the forum thread and our live discussion. We do those for virtually every show. Anything you all want to start a forum topic about, have at it. We have sports forums up there now uh, as well. United States Championship. AJ Styles retained his title over Kevin Owens with Shane McMahon as a special guest referee. Oh, man, the, the the highlight of this match really was Kevin Owens, whenever Shane McMahon got ref bumped, was just talking mad shit. Just mad <laughs> shit, you guys. You fell off a building. How are you not able to make a three count? Like, exactly. so good. It's so good. Uh, they busted out, like, everything. I'm always impressed when Styles hits that inverted powerbomb on a bigger dude. It always looks really good. Owens hit a, had a nice counter to the backflip reverse DDT. They did the Super Fisherman's Buster, Sunset Flip Powerbomb, Fireman's Carry Neckbreaker, which they're not allowed to call the Ushigoroshi, Corner Suplex. They they did it all. They had the best type of ma- they had the best match they could, working around what they worked around. I thought it, even even though it did have that hurdle, I thought it was one of the better matches on the show. <laughs> Kevin Owens takes that Styles Clash like. All right, I'm going to get under here. I'm ready. I'm ready. And good for him because he knows how dangerous that can be. He's just like, my neck ain't getting broke on this at all. (laughs) Anna, what would you think of uh, Styles versus Owens? And it's very obvious we're going towards Owens and McMahon. And I, I for one, am excited to see what happens. Yeah. Well, just on that, (laughs) the um, the Owens-Styles clash thing. Initially, I was like, that is a really shitty camera angle to show that on. And then I realized, no, they're showing that's how he kicked out of it. So I, I really appreciate, appreciated that in the end. Um, I thought it was a great match. It was a big start, stop given the circumstances. But the thing that really sold me on what's to come is the head-to-head about to bust up between KO and Shane, which I don't know. I, I feel like I shouldn't be as excited by this as I am, but for some reason that just sparked something in me that went, yes, I want to see this. Um, I, I thought it was a cool, it was a cool match and it was good to have Shane as that addition because we have seen this matchup quite a few times now and it's just something different. Um, just like the little things. It's always the little things with KO. When it looks like he was maybe legit hurt and Shane was going over to check on him and then KO pulls him on top of him to protect him from the 450 from AJ. Like just little things like that is why KO should just always be champion of everything ever. Um, I really liked it. He is a great guy to have. He is a fantastic heel. He's the type of guy that you can have as like the reluctant partner of Sami Zayn if you ever want to go that route. <laughs> where he's the heel and Sami Zayn is still the face. Like, 
he's a very versatile guy to have. He can work almost any style. He can slow it down if you want. He can go full on if you want. If you want to do a match where you crash through a bunch of stuff, he can do that too. He is very, very good. He can always hold his own on the mic in a second language. He speaks English better than most of the people who live around me. So that I can't put that over enough as well. So big fan of him, and I'm excited to see what, what he can cook up to do to Shane McMahon. Like, is he going to, like, knock Shane McMahon unconscious, steal the keys to a helicopter, fly him over the river and <laughs> chuck him out, and be like... I know your weakness, like one of those. Like, what's he? What's Kevin Owens gonna do? He power bombed MGK off of a stage, so he's gonna do something way worse to Shane McMahon. <laughs> not nearly as bad as Jinder Mahal wait, wait, retaining. Wait, do, I, do I not? Do I get to say anything about this? No, you don't. Oh no, no. There's there's one thing I want I do want to say. Um, <laughs> this match was. Was superly uh, was incredibly overbooked all the way to hell, as I thought it would be because it always is in a special guest referee, and it was done really well for what it was. But mm-hmm. I still want my straight up AJ Styles versus Kevin Owens match that doesn't end in a weird, you know, somebody's leg gets caught in a table or the the finish is all screwy. Uh, because somebody didn't get his shoulder up or somebody counted three when they weren't supposed to or whatever. Like, we still haven't gotten these two guys at their at the top of their game going through until one of them gets a clean pinfall. Where there's nothing, no ref bumps, none of that crap. Just give me these two guys doing that. And I feel like we're not going to get that. Because we're, we're building toward this other thing that I'm not opposed to. Shit, because the next pay-per-view that SmackDown has is hell on a cell. Like two months away, yeah? It's October 8th. How, so like what is it? October 8th. Ooh. Yeah, it's okay, a long so build. About long, seven weeks. Yeah, long build. But the thing I love about it is it's in Detroit, which was the city that Shane O'Mac returned in. We had that huge surprise thing that nobody knew who was coming, and he did it, and the, and the, the place came unglued for him. So Detroit to Shane O'Mac town. So that'll be a lot of fun of seeing, of seeing Kevin Owens heal it up against Shane McMahon, probably almost definitely 1,000% in a hell in a cell. That'll be a lot of fun, but I wish we didn't have to not have a real match between AJ and Kevin Owens in order to get there. I still feel like I'm owed that. Um, but this match was a lot of fun. I just wish we didn't have to have all the things where, like, as as Kevin Owens said, listen, a stiff breeze knocked you out here, but you fell out of a helicopter and you were fine. What's up with that? You know, special guest <laughs> yeah. referee things are always a little weird, but still enjoyable to watch. I think hey, I we, to sh- we will get that. Sorry, I think we will get that. I think it's just a case of being patient, I, whether it's going to be before or after the Shane thing. They're not gonna. They're not gonna just forget about this. Not a feud like this. Mm. Have patience. Have patience, young one. <laughs> you, you Guys, shout out to friend of Fightful dot com, Diana Perrazzo, who made awesome Kong tap out in a match today. That does not happen <laughs> ever in the history of the world. Uh, you all can see some of her interviews on past editions of the list. And your boy, I'll be releasing the full one pretty soon. 
So Jinder Mahal retained the WWE Championship. Nakamura's reaction in Brooklyn was deafening. Alex, I'm glad you corrected this because I really thought that one of the reasons that they were going to keep this title on Jinder Mahal was because he was going to walk out a UFC prelim guy and fight pass. He says that people reported it wrong. I'm pretty sure he said it wrong because I'm pretty sure somebody from WWE got to him and said, uh, no, you're not. Yeah. No, you're not. Yeah, he came out and said, no, no, I, it's a misunderstanding. I'll be there. I'll be sitting in the crowd and cheering him on because he's my buddy, but I'm not going to walk him out. I, I, I'm not yeah, that. they worked out once together for a magazine shoot. Jinder Mahal, well, first off, they should have stayed on the Hindi commentary. Would have loved that. That would have been fun. It was all downhill from there. Uh, Mahal tried his hardest to slow this down. Then Nakamura's like, I'm going to kick you a few times. I bought Jinder Mahal's running knee as a finish. I also bought Nakamura forming one of the Sings as killing them. They distracted. Mahal capitalized, gets a win. There was a lot of we- – I can't believe that people are really going the Nakamura sandbagged route. Jinder Mahal didn't apply the Cobra clutch right. Well, it also felt like Nakamura didn't give him the arm. Like Nakamura's you take, arm is way out you here. You take the fucking arm. I know. It's a submission hold. But I also feel like Jinder Mahal doesn't know where the arm is if it's not given to him. It's a bad hey, move. I, well, that's that's on him. You don't just walk around all willy-nilly in the wrestling ring doing the Macarena and shit. <laughs> like, you don't do <laughs> You reach around, you grab it, and you pull the wrist up, and you apply it. Like, it's it ain't it ain't rocket science. It really seems like WWE's idea of a heel these days are just guys that often bore the shit out of people. Am I wrong in thinking that, Anna? Well, it just makes me think back to after Rusev and Lana's wedding and they had the slideshow of uh, their trip in Bulgaria and Rusev's family and stuff and how that went on for an insane amount of time. And I feel like Vince saw that and went, hey, this is great heat. And he's just decided to keep that. Um, Yeah, this match. Look, they had a test of strength between Shinsuke Nakamura and Jinder Mahal. I love Shinsuke Nakamura, but I'm not buying that for one second. Um, It just, they're like, they're amusing parts of this, like Shinsuke hanging his head up against um, Mahal and then the Singh brothers in the background being outraged, like, he can't do that. Like, they're all of a sudden the moral police. I just don't understand it. How many times has this happened now? Like, literally every time, bar one, the Singh brothers have come in and interfered and Jinder's won. First of all, has Shinsuke never seen a Mahal match or was that the only one match that he's seen? Second of all, you had Enzo up in a shark cage. Why weren't the Sings up there, like, greased up, ready to pop out? Like, why is this <laughs> happening? Why is this a thing? And there was what one point... About, the- what does this say about Shane and Daniel Bryan, Anna? As characters. Well, as characters, yeah. It makes them look like idiots. Um and there was one point where there was this really intense close-up during a submission move on Shinsuke, just of Jinder's, like, muscles and his veins and everything. And you could just hear Vince McMahon in the back going, ooh, yeah, closer on that. Yeah, look at that vein pop. Like, that was just 
a weird kind of exploitation film almost. <laughs> um, yeah, this, yeah. It just, the end just so abrupt and like really you, you couldn't have seen that coming by now. Uh, it is what it is. Alex, I want your take. Um, so listen, Kinder Mahal as champion has been one of the worst things, like one of the worst things <laughs> I can remember. Like it's not, it's not even as, it's not even so bad. I mean, it's not even, it's, it's bad enough that they, that they, that they are forcing a self-fulfilling prophecy of this guy who comes out and says, all you people don't like me because I'm, I'm from another country and I, and I have brown skin. Um, and then the, the, the fans like say, yeah, you're right. We do hate you because of that. And then they, 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 they have an Independence Day celebration of a man honoring his culture and a sweet old lady comes out and sings the national anthem and the people in the crowd boo her. Like, I had somebody say, I'm calling BS on the woman getting booed thing. She probably knew. I was like, that doesn't matter. It's not the point we were making. That's, not, that's, not that's, that's my thing. People do that all the time. Anytime a comment starts with, I'm calling BS, I know that something really weird is going to follow. It probably yeah. doesn't matter. So the whole buildup to this thing was they actually said, um, uh, hey, everybody, what crazy stuff led to this big match on Sunday on a tweet? And I responded like, uh, nothing. Shinsuke Nakamura won a number one contenders match that he didn't ask for. And now he's going to face Jinder Mahal. Like, there was no buildup to this whatsoever. I don't, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's just a match, which is fine. But don't try and make it seem like it's this major deal. It's not. And in the promo thing they did before this, they have, like, Jinder Mahal has the hopes of everyone in India resting on his shoulders. Well, does Shinsuke Nakamura have the hopes of everyone in Japan resting on his shoulders? And if not, why not? I don't understand. You have these two foreign guys having this thing, but one of them's bad and one of them's good, and we don't really know why. I'll tell you why, Alex, because there are ten times as many people that live in India. Yeah, I guess so. When you um, only have 127 million people on your shoulders, it doesn't even matter. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so the match was the match. Jinder uh, Mahal is incapable of working other styles of matches. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura is fine on the main roster, but I just don't. I don't. I don't know. It's just a weird thing, um, and I'm. Uh, the the ending of the match is the ending of every Jinder Mahal match, and eventually they're going they're going to have to ban, um, uh, the Singh brothers from ringside, because otherwise it's just going to end this way over and over and over again, and he'll be champ at Mania. Nothing will change. Uh, I don't know about that. Let's talk about this main event. <laughs> Among my favorite WWE matches ever. I enjoyed everything about it. I liked I liked the spectacle that it was. Sometimes you just need matches like this. And the first criticism that I saw, and really the only criticism I saw was, it was a spot fest. Guys, oh God. when four say? people are fighting each other, you ain't going to see a lot of chin locks. Yeah. You know what, I, you know what this match needed? Limb work. He needed good yeah. limb work. He needed Roman like working on Braun's arm. Well, there you was know? no limb work. 
There was some stump work here. They there was no limb. It was he uprooted the entire situation. That's what happened. Great reactions for all four guys, all things considered, because you know what Roman's that reaction's always gonna be. I think WWE just like brought Undertaker into town to get people to shut up about John Jones. Because I didn't hear John Jones's name nope, not at once. all this weekend. Nope. Lesnar early made Braun Strowman look like a million bucks. And this continued throughout the show. There were little things like when Lesnar came back and mounted Strowman and Strowman rolled him off, Lesnar did like a little bit of extra when he flew up in the air. He took a hellacious bump for Braun Strowman. Really awesome. Also, I want to put over this adjustment by Braun Strowman. And I'm talking like a veteran adjustment. The type of adjustment I don't expect to see out of a guy who's been in the ring five years, much less two and a half, three. Roman goes to clothesline Braun over the top rope, and he doesn't get there. Braun, without missing a beat, just shoves Roman into the corner and then whiffs on a turnbuckle post or a ring post thing and goes outside the ring. He and Roman, their chemistry in that type of situation cannot be understated. The fact that they were able to do that in such a chaotic match where had they just redone the spot, they would have probably been forgiven. But to do that, really good. Then Brock goes through a barricade. Then Reigns goes into a stiff table. Then Joe gets sent over one. And then Brock Lesnar, Alex, he, he picks up the barricade. And he was going to hit somebody with it. Yeah, he did. And he didn't. So you know it wasn't planned. You know it wasn't planned. But he tried to do it. Brock Lesnar picked up a wall to use as a weapon. That's what this match was. And as before, anybody went to a table. Oh, man. Oh, God. These were just four sirloin beef sons of bitches going at it, <laughs> destroying stuff. And as I had tweeted, Brock got legitimacy by being a UFC NCAA champion. Kurt Angle got it by being an Olympic champion. Braun gets it by being a tearing shit up world champion. That's what he does. And if you walked up to anybody on the street and looked and said, pointed at him and said, do you believe that he could tear a phone book in half, then eat your head. They'd be like, yeah, probably. Probably. And then it gets even crazier. Braun Strowman, Wicked Witch of the Wests, or is it East? I don't know. But he does that to Brock. Like, oh, Brock's, like, slippers are hanging out, and, like, there's nothing left. Lesnar gets stretchered out. He, he comes back. Anna, at this point, did you think we had seen the last of Lesnar or did you think he was going to make that comeback? Yeah. Yeah. There was no way that he was losing this. Um, As far as I'm concerned, this six hours led up to Braun Strowman. Like, I know I have been an advocate for this man for quite a while now, but this just, this is what I and many people wanted to see a long time ago. And I'm just thinking back to WrestleMania and the Battle Royal and how everyone was like, I was pissed that he was eliminated. And like, this is the payoff. We are finally here. And it's at the point now where at some points I actually thought, you know what? 
can the two Joes just step aside for a while because I want to see these two try and kill each other some more? There was a chair. There was a barricade. He flipped a freaking table on Brock Lesnar. And then while all the carnage happens and they come and stretch him out, he's just casually sitting on the steel steps trolling him. Like, this was awesome. This is what... (laughs) (laughs) It's just like... I don't know, man. It just happened. <laughs> it was so fucking good. This is, I would like to see a very long program between Strowman and Lesnar, and I don't think I'll get sick of it. I, I legitimately don't think I'll get sick of this. This could not have turned out any better. I'm like, for me, SummerSlam was a hard six hours. This made it so worthwhile. A couple of my other notes. Samoa Joe pretty much just does a rear naked choke these days. But every time he does it, I'm like, this could be the end. This could be it. A Superman punch broke up a really awesome standing double wrist lock, Kimura, whatever you want to call it, on like Les. There's not a lot of guys that can support Lesnar's weight on their hips, but Braun's that guy. A Superman punch breaks it up. And then Reigns pins Strowman. And Strowman kicks out, and it stands Reigns up. And it was this is just some of the most fun I've ever had watching pro wrestling. Just sometimes this is all it needs. Sometimes you just got to tear shit up and put four guys in there that you look at and you know they can tear shit up. Lesnar would pin Reigns after the F5. No Undertaker to be seen. Alex, did that disappoint you at all? No, it would have mucked things up. Um because uh, it would have been like this, it, he would have been there to protect Reigns in some way. Um, uh, this was this was everything I possibly could have wanted. Like it was, it was a, it was the thing where they said, "Listen, we know you love Braun. We're not ready to put the title on him yet, but we're gonna let him loose." And like the o- the whole the Oklahoma, the running power slam that he does uh, is just great. It's it, it looks so just meaty. With him just coming down with all of his weight on people and doing it to, 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 to Lesnar on one table, then the next table, and then you hear the crowd go, one more table. <laughs> like, like this is such so great. They, they called for it, and he's like, okay, well, I'm not going to do that because I already did it twice. I'm going to do this. And when they were stretching um, Brock out, it was so great. Brock's lying there, and, and Heyman's just selling the hell out of this thing like, just crying on his knees like his friend's about to die. And Brock himself throws up the X. Like, he's like, hey, get me out of here. Like, it was just, oh, it was so wonderful. Um, the, everything without Brock there then became this thing of, uh, how are they going to get, oh, I want to make one more thing, but while was there. Um, Samoa Joe sidestepping the spear to let um, Roman hit Brock through the barricade was great. And then Joe's standing there alone going like, oh, man, I dodged that bullet. Like, it was just really, really cool. Um, but you, you got to let Roman do at least half of his Superman punches without cocking his wrist. Because if he does it for every single one of them, it, it makes me insane. And and I hate it. Um we all know that's this your move. You don't actually have to cock your wrist in order to actually throw the punch. It's not actually a gun. I don't know what that is. 
Did he turn the safety off? He's like going to start pulling his thumb. And <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's possible. Uh, but uh, he, a lot of Superman punches, a lot of them, just just all over the place. Um, uh, I like that they protected the spear uh, only used a few times. Uh, it was it was interesting that they should. I thought they should have brought up more that when Reigns hit the spear on on Brock, it didn't end him. Like it, like like Goldberg's spear did. Like it should have been a thing that they were talking because that's been his Achilles heel. Um, they said like, oh, I didn't do it this time. Like, but why? Like, make it a thing. Um, uh, the spear to to um, I love that Braun never took a suplex, never took an F five. They're still protecting these two for a one on one match. Uh, I hope we get that at No Mercy because. Brock is scheduled for No Mercy on September 24th. I want a one-on-one match with Braun Strowman in L.A. Uh, I think that would be really, really great. Uh, this whole thing was brilliant. Um, I, I mean, is it is it bad for me to say that I love that Roman took the pin? Uh, because, because of all of his, like, nobody can beat me, I'm the best. And the fact that he took the pin, I think that's – I think they could use that to help him – not doubt himself, but just be extra pissy. Like that could be kind of fun for that character. Um, but I love that that Brock was done after that pin. Like he could not, he could not even sit up. There was this was just a, a, a wonderful, wonderful big beef four way. I hope the first of many. Anna, any additional thoughts on this match? Um, I just really appreciate how much and how well Brock sold especially for, for Strowman. I just, I don't know, for some reason in my head, it just got to the point of like, well, it's Brock Lesnar. He's not going to, I don't know. I just, I was surprised by it, but I really appreciate it. It, it made the match something entirely else than it, it possibly would have been otherwise. Overall, I think that SummerSlam was a solid show. I mean, when you have 12, 13 matches, some of them are going to under-deliver. Some of them are going to over-deliver. But all in all, I thought it was a solid show. Did it need to be as long as it was? No, it didn't. You could have ran five hours, and it would have been just just fine and dandy. Like, it, you, all across the world, sports are trying to make their shows, like, quicker. UFC and WWE are like, let's stretch this shit out. For Can we do a four-day? we do a four-day? <laughs> uh, the irony is that NXT TakeOver could be three hours and be spectacular. Yeah. But WWE, you know, a four-hour show, five-hour show, I could probably live with that. Every single one of these matches outside of the Rusev-Randy Orton match went at least 10 minutes. From the bottom up, here were the times. 11 11-20, 11-45, 19-20, 10-15, 11-10. 10 and about 21. So there were virtually the same time for like almost everything except for a, a few anomalies, but not all those matches had to be that long. You could have fit this in five hours. That's really ultimately what I'll walk away with, but man, that main event delivered the tag team match at the beginning of the show really delivered. And in between we had some decent stuff sandwiched in there. I thought Naomi Natalia was much better than I expected it to be. That match might've been 
third, fourth best match that I saw of the night. And that's that's saying something. Who knows what we're about to see? We might be seeing another soup shake, as Alex calls it. That remains to be seen. Uh, but I want to thank you guys for joining us. Of course, visit Fightful.com. We got a ton of exclusives. We had a lot of the news on Ric Flair before anybody else did. We have always a lot of backstage news from WWE, from Global Force Wrestling. They underwent some major roster changes. If you guys haven't seen those spoilers yet, uh, head over there, check those out. We've got Ring of Honor results as well. Forums, we got everything you all can talk about underneath uh, those forum subcategories. And next weekend, Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor coverage. But, Anna, before we go, tell people about Most Ridiculous, which is now uh, doing an independent thing. Yeah, um, it officially was launched last night, and then there's been a few changes, and I, yeah, just decided to make it uh, free for all. Um, Still patron-only footage, for obviously, for patrons through Patreon. Um, But there's a link on my Twitter to the episode if people want to see it. And yeah, that's Alexander Pawlowski. You're often helping me with pro wrestling stuff. You are a lead wrestling writer. Tell the people what you'll be up to this week. Um, <clears throat> um, I'm going to write something, I think tonight for, for tomorrow morning about uh, how Braun Strowman says um, that when he's training, he ingests 15,000 calories a day. Sounds about right. And, and and from his normal order at Chipotle, I can see why. Uh, there's a lot of fun stuff that's come out of this weekend, um, and uh, I'm looking forward to reporting uh, some of that. Uh, but but hey, we got we got the Raw after SummerSlam tomorrow, which is fixing to be something ridiculous. As well as uh, the SmackDown after too. I mean, yeah, yeah. great nights at nights at Barclays and. This is this is going to be a big one because you got the brand split. SmackDown means yeah. about as much as Raw does these days. Yeah. So we'll see about that. But yeah, yeah, yeah we sure will. <laughs> we'll see Guys, who comes like, up from NXT and goes where. Yeah, like subscribe. Let people know about the show if you enjoyed it. Uh, tweet it out. Let people know that you checked us out. We're still a pretty new website. Leave us a nice iTunes review. That stuff helps as well. And of course, visit FightfulPods.com. Our forums. Uh, fightful.com in general we got all kinds of exclusive news photos videos podcasts interviews and like i said we've got that wall-to-wall mcgregor mayweather coverage we started as a crossover website specializing in the crossover of mma boxing pro wrestling this is what we were built for was the mayweather mcgregor weekend so uh definitely check out our coverage of that we will have a live post show afterwards and all the coverage on the holy smokes mma podcast this tuesday Until next, guys, next time, guys, thank you so much. We're out. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.